Welcome to The Dead Format, episode 31. My name is Ian McEwen, and I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Tom Smiley, and we're here to talk about Legacy. I was trying to figure out how you're going to do the intro, like the Tom Smiley, the blank of blank, and I was like, man, it's been kind of a slow week. I don't know how he's going to how he's gonna do it. Yeah, it's been, it's been like a really slow week, in my opinion. I actually got out to Gaming Etc. on Friday night, so I played Legacy in paper for the first time since we played in that Leaving a Legacy tournament where we did the food draft. Yeah, I saw the picture of Pat and Jerry. Yep. Jerry's looking like Fazimoto. Yeah, Fazimoto. He had the uh, the hunchback going. It was, uh, what, November 1st, would you say, was that Leaving a Legacy tournament? Sometime around there. Yes. I actually don't know if it was the first weekend or like the second or third, but it was it was in November. Yeah, something like that. So basically... I had to take apart a bunch of old school decks to find like my dual lands and stuff, the lightning bolts, and put together that Rug Delver deck I played from that tournament. I actually wanted to build that deck that Rodney talked to us about on our podcast like a month and a half ago, but I didn't have Fauna Shamans. I didn't know how much those might cost, so I just put together Rug Delver again and went two and two. Pretty uneventful. I played against Pat and Jerry. That was fun. And yeah. Saw some people at Game Etc. Saw Michelle. Obviously, that's awesome. Pretty uneventful. Played played a lot of old school too this weekend. But so in the tournament, you got matched up against Pat and Jerry. Round one, I played against Pat. Yep. And how did that go? He was on that Roland Chang Grixis Delver list that he. I I guess they had Roland on this week, so he must have talked to him. But the episode hadn't come out yet when I saw Pat, so I didn't realize he had Stifles in his deck. But uh, he didn't flip a Delver in Game 2 on like a key turn. He could have cracked back for the win in Game 2 and couldn't flip his Delver. He just had a Wasteland on top and a Wasteland in hand. So I got that one in 2 and then got paired against Jerry in Round 2 and got crushed 2-0 to Sneak and Show. He, no. Yep, yep. It was the first, first loss in a while, but he uh, had... He took six in game two, and he said, oh, there's no way I could lose with this hand. And I honestly, I'm not sure if he was being serious or not, because he led with Crack, Fetcha Island, Preordain, Crack, Fetcha Island, Ponder, and then Preordain. So I'm not sure if he just had a bunch of cantrips and lands and he was just joking around, or if he was just sort of spinning his wheels at that point. But I think what he might have meant, and he was probably correct if, if this is what he meant, that he was going to be able to fetch up three basic lands to start the game, and I wasn't going to be able to put any pressure on his mana. And that's exactly what happened. You know, I kept a hand with a wasteland and scryed a wasteland to the top. So my wastelands were just dead that game. And he he rolled me eventually. But we, we kind of ended quick because... I had built a deck for Adrian for old school to play on Saturday. So I had two old school decks with me. So Jerry and I got in a quick game of old school and it was a lot of fun. So did Adrian make his magic comeback? Yeah, dude, it was sick. We, we met up at uh, Game Etc. again at like 11 a.m. on Saturday. And there were actually like at least 10 of us just 
not any sort of tournament or anything, just hanging out. It's like our our buddy Jim Not Dredge, Tim McMath, Adrian, a bunch of old school people like Dave Furtbard. And yeah, we, we played uh, some Alpha 40 and a bunch of old school, went over to, to the bar and kept playing till about six. I probably played, I don't know, 20 or 30 games of old school. It was just a great day on Saturday. So That sounds of, like a great, like a, an absolutely great crew. Yeah, I made, Adrian said he wanted a Lord of the Pit deck. You know, I asked him like, what, do you, what did he want to do? And he was talking about like Breeding Pit and Lord of the Pit as things that he liked to play back in the day. So I made this like white black tokens. I would describe it as it had breeding pit, fallen angel, which is basically like the only sack outlet. Uh, Lord of the pit, soul exchange, like some thrall synergies, a couple thrall champions, and the deck was all right. It, it held its own, you know. But he played Tim's Underworld Dreams combo deck later in the day, and he was like, "Oh, I like this. This is what I want to be doing." So obviously. Uh, once he got a, once he got a, like his hands on that deck, he, I don't think he played the Lord of the Pit deck again. I spent the weekend watching the Wizards of the Coast coverage for Grand Prix New <laughs> Jersey. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. I don't know if we want to talk about this, but man, that pissed a lot of people off this weekend. Yeah, I. Don't think I was aware of it at all on Saturday, but Sunday, I was laughing pretty hard at that. So, I I had two friends who uh, are the ones that are traveling to Toronto with me, but they, they got locked out of registering for the tournament because apparently Channel Fireball capped this Grand Prix at 1,400, yeah. which is the lowest cap that I have seen in a very very long time so i'm not sure if they actually ended up making the trip i don't think jt did but the the tweet that i saw over the weekend was reed duke saying that his mom was very disappointed with the lack of grand prix coverage so i guess <laughs> the long story short is no more round by round pairing so you can't see how your friends are doing no more text coverage that means less deck lists and less metagame breakdown and all of that. Basically, cutting a ton of the support that made Grand Prix the event, like sort of the premier event outside of the Pro Tour. Now, Star City is just absolutely crushing it with their streaming coverage that Grand Prix don't have anymore. Their articles and metagame breakdown, having cardboard live on the stream and magic fest not being covered at all just seems seems like a really strange pullback for wizards yeah and also no elo project if they don't have the pairings up like to see who played who i don't think that that dude on twitter who organizes all that data is going to be able to import it anymore no because it won't be available which sucks because i know it i know it doesn't matter but i literally told channel fireball that i dropped two consecutive rounds and they paired me so my last elo project thing is a loss to somebody that i wasn't even in the building for oh brutal. so yeah yeah i know you had quite a bit of data because you played in a lot of bigger events i guess so compared to like the rest of our friends i, I remember seeing you had a high rank but also like a 
a big history, like a big data set that allowed, yeah, I think, allowed I you think, to be in like the big groups? Well, I played I played in twenty Grand Prix total. I don't know if that's a lot. It probably is a lot. I think it must but, have pulled from Star Cities too then. Well the I think the spreadsheet that you're talking about was the Star City Elo spreadsheet. Oh, okay. My bad. That that was separate. That was I did I did play in a bunch of Star Cities. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I thought I thought that those were like accumulative or like between the two things. So there's one for Grand Prix and one for Star Cities. Yeah, the Elo project is just Grand Prix and Pro Tours. And gotcha. then the spreadsheet that you saw was just Star Cities. And I've seen the the other one too. I just thought that they were the same spreadsheet. I didn't realize. So yeah, that that kind of sucks because I know you use that. You'd always be talking about what your opponent's ELO rating was when we would be at Grand Prix. So well, I I would I would enjoy looking it up to under like just to sort of get a predictor for what type of player that I was playing against. Like yeah, yeah I think it's you, a great you, idea get to see that you're playing against a 2100 player and you know that they are going to know exactly what they're doing. It's something that I never did, but once I talked to you, I was like, why am I not doing this? You know, it seems like a great idea. The other thing that I didn't do all the time was just Google your opponent's name before you sit down. So if you, if you Google their name in magic, the gathering, and it pops up with a bunch of MTG top eight lists for lands or storm, it might tip you off as to what they're playing. Yeah, the other thing you can do is not sit down right away. Wait till they sit down and then take the long way to your table and walk behind them while they're taking out their deck box. No. If you're going to be shady as fuck, that's Yeah, that's sh- that's shitty. I I like I feel like that's I feel like that's one and the same though. I feel like doing one is just as bad as the other, right? No, I feel like looking at publicly available information on the internet before you go sit down is way different than trying to like <laughs> walk behind your opponent and knock over their deck box and see <laughs> and see what pops out. Yeah. Right? I've definitely never done that, but I, I was just sort of trying to make fun of the Googling people's names. I've definitely thought about it before. And there is that like temptation when you're walking at the pairing board with your friend and you're like, oh, so-and-so. And then you're like, do you know what they're playing? You know? So. Yeah, and if if your friends had played somebody previous in the previously in the day, I mean it gives you an advantage, right? Yeah. So that's I feel you. That's something that can that can definitely help out. So, how do you feel about this no coverage thing? Do you, do you think that it's going to affect? I remember you said that you bought those passes, like the golden tickets. Yep. You bought what, like two or four or something. Okay, so I only bought two of them. Okay. But I was thinking that I was going to be able to use it for Toronto and Niagara. Yeah. And I guess I didn't realize that you actually can't use the golden tickets until the Grand Prix start in April. So I had to buy my Toronto ticket. I think that the two that I have are going to be for Niagara and Providence. Okay. But there are so many people that bought a bunch of those tickets, pro players especially... And now they don't need them. And now there's no coverage. Now there's literally no reason to go. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm surprised to hear you saying that. I thought that you were going to be on the other side. Like, it doesn't really matter if there's no coverage or not. No, but I mean, it's. So I've, like, I've done okay in a few of the ones that I've went to. And, like, 
opening up the Wizards website and seeing your face in the undefeated players yeah. section or seeing your deck list be published, like that's like that's that's something that I enjoyed. Oh, right? that's great, man. I'm I'm glad to hear that you're you're, you know, I don't no, want to just, say admitting that, but like recognizing that because I think it's a huge deal. One 100%. And cutting that just it it seems like it's just such an easy thing to do. Maybe not to have somebody touring the event, taking all the pictures and writing articles for the weekend, but having the event staff take the pictures of the undefeated players, maybe attempt to post the top 32 deck lists. Like, how long does it take to write up? You don't need a separate person to do that. And I understand them... I understand Wizards not wanting to spend the money on video coverage, but why pump all of this extra money into promoting your brand on Twitch and then cut what were your second highest drawing events or viewership events? I just, I don't get it. It's really strange. And, you know, playing old school, I, I keep coming back to this, but there's always like these these pictures of deck lists. There's a ton of blogs out there. A lot of people or local scenes have their own blogs, and there's a lot of Facebook groups and a lot of like the regional event organizers. Like we have Dave Firthbard here, who's great. They do like these tournament reports and all these pictures of people's decks and pictures with people, and nobody's getting paid for that. You know what I mean? It's a it's a labor of love, and. I think more important than than the amount of money they're spending or saving is the signal that they're giving here by by not doing text coverage. Because if you go back, I know you and I remember this because we're old as fuck. Like 1996, 97, like Sideboard Magazine and the Dojo and like reading people's tournament reports. But like the people at WOTC covering these tournaments were genuinely excited and they would write articles in Duelist and talk all about these people's decks and the philosophy and and the characters who are playing the games like it was this novel thing and very exciting to them like if you think about like mark rosewater back in that day like uh a lot of people talk about his relationship with that dude long now who's was kind of underhanded but he was genuinely passionate about the coverage aspect of it right and then there was people like brian david marshall and randy bueller over the years who you could tell regardless of how you felt about them they weren't the most polished people on the mic or whatever, but they were they were truly passionate and they loved what they were doing. And even people like Rashad, you know, it, it showed when they broadcasted. Even if they did have a bunch of gaffes, they they really cared about what they were doing. And now it's like not not you know, like I don't want to say can't be bothered to do it, but that that's the message. That's the signal that we get, right? It is. And it just it seems like Wizards is really cutting back on what they're doing with paper magic. And we we said that we thought that they really had an incentive to transfer a lot of this stuff to the digital format because their profit margins are higher. It's easier to do coverage when your game is online. There's less logistical costs in running tournaments that you can just run through the internet. And they're really doubling down with how much they're scaling back Grand Prix support. And what 
a lot of people that are invested in this game traditionally think as playing Magic. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder how much of it is Channel Fireball too, right? Because I'm sure I'm I'm not positive, but I would imagine if they wanted to do text coverage, they don't necessarily have access to like the Watsy page where that's traditionally been done. But they have that page with like the pairings and everything that they have like that event page for every Grand Prix that we, we go to to get pairings, you know, and like schedules, see like the side event schedule and stuff. They could have text coverage there, you know. They could bring one extra employee with them or have like, you know, their little Corbin or whatever doing text coverage if that was something that they were interested in. And you would think that that would pretty obviously pay for itself, right? Like one employee doing text coverage for these events versus the community reaction and the number of people who are going to be you know, driven away by by this signal that they're sending of not doing this coverage. Well, I can I can see from a wizard standpoint how they may have done this because they're pretty anti Elo. They're pretty anti large data driven metagame breakdowns and matchup boards. And there have been a few projects trying to get off the ground, specifically with modern matchups yeah. and standard matchups, where using the round-by-round -round result scraper tool, you can input your deck and uh, what your opponents were playing, and the data analysis can take over to where it can show exactly what happened in the Grand Prix with each deck that was played. And I... I can see Wizards of the Coast saying, look, like we're putting out this round by round pairings and people are getting too much information from it. So why don't we not publish those? I can also see Wizards saying the channel Fireball, look, we're making all these changes. We think Grand Prix attendance is going to be down. Maybe, maybe you want to book smaller venues, smaller rooms and save some money and we'll, we'll cap the events at a lower number. Yeah, and I gotta say, it pissed me off. Uh, I saw, I guess it was Saturday night, the, what's his name, the professor there, had tweeted like, oh, you know, this event's sold out. And like, he was doing like the sponge mock text of like, magic is dying, it's so bad, you know, and then Grand Prix sold out. And it, it just, it seemed disingenuous to me because you're capped at 1,400. We had 4,000 people in New Jersey for Legacy. You know, we're talking about 35% of the of the attendance that they had in 2014. I know we're talking about limited versus legacy, but a limited format in the Northeast, an easy travelable place, people from Philadelphia, even people from, you know, Western Pennsylvania, upstate New York, Massachusetts, they're all driving to New Jersey, you know. It's it's a very very much like a, a easy travel destination on the the northeastern seaboard 1400 people is nothing you know for for a brand new limited format singles i i would expect that to do i don't know 1800 something like that well i think that that was sort of the number that i thought that the cap was and the last grand prix that got run was a limited it was a european limited grand prix and that was a 2500 person grand prix and then Grand Prix have sort of been 
But anyway, the, the point stands, like, 1,400 in New Jersey is not a good number. Now, I understand that last year they only did, like, 1,200 in New Jersey, you know? There have been some bad, some really bad numbers in New Jersey in the past. There was a standard that I think only did, like, 1,100. And then we saw, you know, the standard in Providence only do 690. So, obviously, Grand Prix have been hurting on the north northeast, but... There seems to be like an influx of people with Arena, right? And a new set release coming out. I don't think, I think 1400 is a really low cap. And from the people that I spoke to who were there, they said that the vendors were in the middle of the hall and it wasn't like the best use of space or anything. And it seemed like they, they had a lot more people show up than they expected. That makes sense. I was at the limited Grand Prix in Jersey that you were talking about that only had 1100 or so and that was ixalan block and that limited format just wasn't really what people wanted to play a lot of i think it's really disappointing and i think that this really just kind of reinforces in my mind a decision that i already made a long time ago which is to stand by star city like i've i've always felt like i i wanted to have star city's back i feel like star city had our back and channel fireball didn't you know that's that's just how i felt since i came back to the game and this just makes me feel that way again i i can get behind that uh, star city is my yeah i don't want to say my favorite tournament organizer because i really like some local tournament organizers we have but star city does the best job yeah they're great they're amazing and we're going we both actually finalized our plans right for syracuse on march 2nd yeah, I'm definitely going to be there. You're flying out, correct? I Yeah, I got a $60 flight. For anybody in Boston who wants to go to Syracuse for the Grand Prix, $60 fly there. So might as well do it. It's going to be sick. Yeah, so there was a challenge yesterday. There were, I want to say in the, the decks that went 5-2 or better, there were 19 different decks i won't say archetypes because some of them are kind of similar but there were 19 different decks and throughout the top 32 there were only six decks that had more than one copy really spread out kind of crazy but did you want to run down the top eight yeah we can go through it but obviously obviously there's some diversity there but do you think that's just because people are shying away from playing what they would have considered to be the best deck and just are trying to experiment now because we don't really have any big events coming up? Or do you think that Legacy is actually in the spot where this is what we have? Because I, I don't. So you think this is not representative? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think, I think that if you try to sort of take what happened in this challenge and apply it to what's going to happen at a larger event, I think that there's quite a bit of distilling that happens where this this wouldn't happen in a two-day event. Okay. I think that I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. The one thing, though, is when I see people playing decks like Eldrazi or, or Mono Red Stompy, with my personal bias, I guess, I'm thinking that these players aren't playing this because they think it's fun. They're playing it because they think it's the best deck, right? So you think that Grixis Control is 
is like the best deck then would you say and people just don't want to be playing it i i think that in this challenge it was underrepresented well there was three grixis controls right okay yeah i wasn't counting the dak faden list although there's one that has dak faden that is more of a traditional build so i guess yeah there are three yeah there's there's strifo and then there's one that just has dak in the liliana spot kind of yep which is uh mickmer i guess m-i-c-m-e-r and yeah other than that it does just look like a normal list i mean there's one deluge main there's no punishing fire no you know bs like that not not that that's bad i'm just saying there's nothing unusual about the list other than the fact that it has two dak fadens in the main deck what do you think that is what the dak faden yeah like without without an engine where you're getting value from from that why why is dak faden in this deck it's really strange to to be honest you know it it does faithless looting you every turn so it does let you filter out like you know excess lands or you know if you don't want to have your force of wills in a fair matchup or you know you need to find a threat it does really get through your deck as fast as a jace for less of a cost but there's there's nothing that you like expect to see like main deck pyroblasts or punishing fires any way to take advantage of it it's not like stealing someone's chalice is going to do anything like you're you're basically gonna be stealing other people's strixen right like what i i don't know the answer to the question yeah it just it seems strange to me when i saw that for sure it really does and actually our our friend tom cairns is always trying to get me to play dak and rug so maybe it's just a better fair card than i realize like obviously it's a good fair card but i mean like with no inherent synergies yeah, I just I would I would never think of putting it in a deck, especially especially a deck like Rug, yeah. where a three drop three drop planeswalker. Man, that's that's a mana investment. Yeah, exactly. And like Liliana in this deck, it seems to fit so well because all your creatures are value and you have so few creatures that you kind of need to be able to recur them in the matchups that really grind, and it can't get pyroblasted, whereas Dak can, right? Yep, and it, it just, it's plus is very relevant, and being able to grind through Snapcasters with the minus just seems seems outstanding. Yep. So maybe I'm too high on Grixis Control and Grixis Delver, but it doesn't seem like they've been highly, re- or as represented as they should be in these challenges. I would definitely agree with you with regard to Grixis Delver. I, I remember last week we saw three in the top 16. There were none in the top eight, but there were like three lists at like 12, 13, 14 or something. And it seems like those have kind of disappeared in this challenge. So, And maybe maybe that's just the prevalence of Chalice because there there is a lot of Chalice. Like I... I don't even sort of separate the decks out anymore. I take all of the Eldrazi decks and all of the Mono Red Blood Moon decks and everything that's trying to do that, and I just clump them into a big pile. And there's a lot of them. Yeah, there were six 4X Chalice decks and then two other decks with Chalice on the sideboard. So it's a lot of Chalice. You know, that, that's a solid 20 to 25% Chalice. And there's a lot of combo too, right? I mean, you look at the top three decks, it's Ant, Reanimator, Sneak, and Show. And then you got Burn in the top eight, which is kind of a combo deck too. 
Yeah, it's it is strange for sure because really you would think that with the paper results of Grixis Delver starting to make a resurgence with a lot of people picking it up again like wow Grixis Delver is still great and seeing it do well in the the uh legacy classic yeah. that happened and some other events before like the leaving a legacy open getting one by Grixis Delver you'd think that there'd be a few more people picking it up and you start to see that in paper even even Pat was playing it yeah. but maybe the prevalence of chalice online because chalice decks are sort of less mentally taxing to play and you can you can multitask through a challenge and i guess it's kind of i guess some people do really enjoy playing combo and i can understand how people really enjoy playing ant or even test you know these decks that they've they've really honed and there's a, t- a ton of different lines right it's it, takes a lifetime to master these decks for some people so i can see like wanting to play ant in an event like this and there were three ant pilots right but yeah and the people who have sort of dedicated themselves to ant like ethan was the winner of, yeah. of this event and i think that he's pretty much played storm exclusively since i remember playing with him in 2011 wow so that's that's a long time to to be playing the same deck and he is he is excellent yeah and you see like uh control for days what's his name and uh like brian cook will always be in these challenge results and there's a lot of people that just they love playing storm you know land into will sometimes be on here but does landon play storm yeah, he's stoned, stoned Forge Mystic. Oh, okay, never mind. I thought you were talking about Eric Landon, not Landon Swartz. My oh, fault. I'm sorry. Yep, I got, I got those mixed up. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, I don't think I would pick up like Sneak and Show and be like, "Oh, I'm gonna have fun today in this challenge. I'm gonna play Sneak and Show." You know, that that's basically the point that I was trying to make. Is I think, I think people are kind of maybe they're moving around to a different deck. They, if they always play Grixis Delver, they don't want to necessarily play it again, but I think they are choosing what they consider to be good decks. You know, they're not just like playing what they think is fun because I'm not really seeing that in these results. Okay. Well, black red reanimator lost to storm in the finals. That's, that is not, not common, but trying to fight through, chancellor there are four chancellors yep specifically is just that's a that's a tough get yeah and i guess he he would know what uh ethan was on going into the match so you can go turn one reanimate chancellor if you can right yep and it looks like this deck actually the the first place deck has two extra pace on the board yeah usually Usually you see a different a different card choice for in that spot. You see surgical, yeah. Yeah, but I mean you when you want to have graveyard hate, if you can afford to have mana in play, extra extrapate does it. 
we just we see surgical so often because you can just cast it before you've made your land drop but also it's it's not color specific right like you see surgical run a lot in decks that don't have black so extirpate probably doesn't see enough play given the fact that it it really does extra work but i i still think that i would want surgical just because of what happens when you're on the draw yeah i mean i think that that's that's really the main consideration here right and it's kind of what you see here if you're on the draw against this deck extirpates extirpate can do nothing you know and let's say you do have extirpate then you have to not develop your board on turn one to hold up extirpate like it just seems so suboptimal in this matchup. I I agree, but obviously Ethan has a reason for it. Yeah, I'm curious. I wonder what that reason is. Yeah, I will. I will shoot him a message and ask, and hopefully I'll have an answer for next week. Because I've seen him enough on here to know that it's not just that he can't afford surgicals or something. Yeah, we'll we'll get to. Uh, a I'm sure it's a good reason. Deck. Yeah, but yeah. All well, right, so show and tell. Third place, main deck Blood Moon. Yeah. It's fun. Who gives a shit? Yep. This deck, more Arclight Phoenix. Yeah, this is the same deck as last week. This So this is X-File, who I believe either had a 5-0 or was in the top, was in the 5-2 decks last week in the challenge with this 4 Delver, 4 Arclight Phoenix, 4 Terramander build. With the thought scours and the careful studies, I'm still a big fan of this list. You know, I I, I still do think it, it is going pretty heavy into the graveyard. You know, with four Arclight Phoenix and four Terramanders, and nothing like a True Name or a Young Pyromancer as like a odd threat that wasn't depending on the graveyard, and nothing, nothing like a buried alive to be able to sort of combo this is really really not a deck that's gonna going to wreck you with arclight phoenix it seems like with the card selection that really you're you're hoping that you get one out a game because there isn't a way to tutor up multiples yeah one i would imagine that one or two are probably what you see and you know three or four would be like extremely rare circumstance with this deck obviously it's working well for this person right they've they've done well two straight weeks with this list and i think both weeks we've seen the same list approximately end up in the deck dump played by a different player we definitely saw it last week yeah and i believe it's there again this week so this is not the threat package i was going to start with for a Terramander, but it, it really does seem like it's doing well, so. Alright, Eldrazi, Mono Red, Blood Moon. Yep. Handweird Garrison. Ten Rabble. You don't get the goblin synergies from it, but it um it gives you an extra two copies of that. Yep. And then there's a burn list here with no Swift Spear, which is really wild in my opinion. There's two Bomat Courier and two Grim Lava Mancer. I'm always a fan of playing one of Lava Mancer and Burn. That was the the few times I had played Burn, that was like my little flare. But I'm not sure if I've ever seen uh Bomat Courier over Swift Spear and Burn. Is that something you've seen before? 
Nope. I mean, Monastery Swiftspear seems like one of the better creatures yeah. in a burn deck. And this is sort of playing extra copies of Vortex and a few extra land to to make those cuts. Obviously, the Courier doesn't usually see play, but I've seen Lavamancer in a lot of burn builds. So I, I'm not sure if this player made their deck decisions thinking that, all right, the games are going to go a little bit longer. I might want an extra land drop or two, and I want to play more Sulfuric Vortex. So that's, that's sort of the only thing that I can think about with the build of this deck. Yeah, and it could be like to beat, to beat Grixis uh, control, right? Because you have your Lava Men to shoot the uh, Strixen and the Swiss Spears just kind of run into them, right? If you're only expecting to get one hit in, then that's the scenario where Goblin Guide is better than Swift Spear, I guess. I guess, but like if you're playing against Grixis Control, mm-hmm. then would you would you really want Bowmat? No, it's kind of weird. I don't know. Like if because if you're talking about the reason why you're not playing Swift Spear is because of Strix then would you really want Bowmat to yeah, replace yeah. it? Yeah, no, so. I don't know. I mean, I guess if you if you're running it into like a, you know, a Strix or a Gurmag or whatever, you can just pop it and get the card out, right? Okay, sure. But I I, I don't think I would come to that conclusion now. And Death and Taxes. Yep. Has this been list, has been yeah. coming back. It looks normal to me. Restoration Angel is a card that I'm not used to seeing in there, but no, uh, the the one of walking ballista is sort of, sort of very normal. Yeah, the ancient tomb has also gotten quite a quite a bit more more run, but I'm not I'm not sure about that resto angel spot. I think I like palace jailer as my only four drop in death in Texas. <sighs> yeah, it so it sucks moving your vial up to four, right? So you kind of have to be hard casting these. I don't know, man. I'm not really sold on the Resto Angel either, but. So, Metalworker. Yeah. Finished ninth. Is, isn't this just like a Warsaw Drazi? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm looking at the list. You know, I don't know exactly what typical Metalworker is, but these are all cards I've seen before out of them. Metalworker is like the Nick fit of artifact decks. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It really is. Holy shit. All right. How are they tutoring for this shit besides Inventor's Fair? Like, they have so many one-ofs in this deck. Forge Master. Yeah, there it is. Three cold the Forge Master. Yeah, I don't know what's usually in a Metalworker deck, but this just looks like Metalworker to me. Okay. So, we saw... Some Grixis Delver. We saw some Grixis Control later on. It it's varied. There's a bunch of stuff like Enchantress is back here. I can't really understand exactly what's going on. So I don't want to try to break it down too much. Yeah. There are very few multiple decks that are here, and a lot of people just playing quite a bit of random stuff 
Yeah, and one thing that bothered me a lot about this challenge is control F noble hierarch, control F birds of paradise, nothing. Just Well, you control F birds of paradise and like you're not going to get anything. Right, but right? the point that I'm making is no dorks, man. There's j- only land of war elves, you know. And only four copies of Stoneforge Mystic in that one Death and Taxes deck. That's all we had. So two of my favorite creatures really left on the bench, left out in the cold. Even though we saw 25 different decks or whatever, 23 different decks in this challenge, we couldn't get a Noble Hierarch deck? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's it's one event. It's super spread yeah. out. If you look at what happened last weekend or two weekends ago with the Classic and Stoneforge Mystic, it's completely yeah. night and day. Yeah. But there, there's a lot of stuff going on in this challenge that I don't want to draw too many sort of you need to you need to be prepared for this is out of it other than Chalice is a very large percent of the metagame and it's going to continue to be. So if you are trying to position a deck to bring to a tournament like this, you want to be ready for Chalice. For sure. What do you think about playing a braid? So I was actually listening to uh, Roland on Leaving a Legacy that came out. I, I think it came out like a day late this week, but I was listening to it over the weekend. I I don't mind it. It gives you an out. It's flexible. It's very unlikely to be dead, right? Well, yeah. It, it Generally, it's not dead, but it'll like hit a Strix or something, you know? Like not... It's not great either. It's it's either great or it's below average, right? Well, if 25% of the metagame is Chalice, it's probably better value to play a one of that than a one of Forked Bolt. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying compared to the other options that you could play in that spot, I guess. So we saw somebody trying out that, that Goblin. Is it Sharpshooter? Is that what it's called? No, it's not Sharpshooter. What the fuck is it called? Crater, Crater Maker. Maker. Yep. Compared to like a crater maker in that slot, or I don't know what else they would play to be honest. So I, I don't know, man. A braids are it. I guess they could play a main deck Colagon's command if they're in those colors, you know. That's a lot of mana. It is a lot, but. And K command loses a lot of its effectiveness if you don't have Snapcaster Mage. It like pushes you in a different direction. Didn't he play a main deck Snapcaster though? Yeah, and I think he had K-Command in the sideboard, but one Snapcaster isn't going to do it. Like, K-Command gets backbreaking when you've gotten ground down. It gets way more effective after a Hymn the Torak, and Grixis Delver isn't trying to run that control game plan where you're making them discard and you're K-Commanding their last card in hand. It's infinitely better than it would be out of a Grixis Delver shell, where they're really just looking at the return a creature kill an artifact or whatever whatever mode they're choosing yeah all right anything else you want to say about the challenge not really man all right want to move on to the league then yeah let's do it there was a a good deal of of league deck lists the league finally rolled over like the week before last so we're in that like getting the official points now uh what, what are they called challenge points or like format points. format format points now you were getting them before yeah. they just didn't show up on your account but yeah now it's like real time you know 
But anyway, I thought that there were three and a half interesting decks in this deck dump. I thought that there was at least one more that you're not gonna you're not gonna think was interesting. Okay, you want to start with yours then? Yeah, just ha- have you ever been on the internet and had a typo? Oh, you talking about you Chasm Guide? Out, yeah, that you sent out that you realized you couldn't take back. It was out of your hands. Yep. The Mashmalovsky. Yep. Uh, the burn deck playing three goblin guide and one chasm guide. Oh my god, is that what it is, dude? Yeah, I'm 100% sure that they like typed in guide and went and dragged their cards in. They accidentally clicked this card and like they submitted their league and they went to play and they're like, what the hell is this doing in my deck? <laughs> Might as well play it out. And now they 5 0'd and they are sitting here with a published deck list <laughs> of this. Basically, four casting cost, three two haste creature, yeah. in Legacy Burn. That's so funny. I saw that. I didn't realize that they had three Goblin guys in the deck. I just saw the Chasm guide, and I was, I thought that actually it might have been like the, uh, Watsy page fault, and it was like Chasm something else, you know. But you're absolutely right. It was the guide thing. That's so yeah, funny. that's I I saw that. And at first I was like, ooh, is this some new tech? Only three Goblin Guide. Let's see what this does. And I was like, oof. <laughs> that's not that's not on purpose. Yeah, Ball Lightning would be infinitely better than that card. I would I would suggest Ball Lightning over Chasm Guide most of the time. Dude, Ball Lightning is when was the last time that was played in Legacy Burn, would you would you say? Because I was gone during the period when it went from one of their best cards to a card they didn't play. Uh, honestly, I have no clue. Hmm. I I I don't ever remember Ball Lightning getting play after like the mono red cursed scroll yeah. times. Yeah, that, that was, was the like, last standard I played. So like that Ball Lightning was great at that point in time. Yeah, dude, that was like that was twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so i i 21 honestly, I to be precise okay yeah i don't remember uh i don't remember ball lightning really getting any run since then so so i don't know we can like mtg top eight ball lightning yeah that'd be great let's see so actually actually about a year ago on january 11th 2018 Asian Food Good had one one ball lightning in their burn deck uh, to go along with their three Eidolon of the Great Revel. Hell yeah! In, in the uh, in the deck dump, I guess. I guess they went five zero with one ball lightning one year ago. Excellent. Well, that answers my question. Then I guess it was good last year. No, it still wasn't good last year. <laughs> we saw it last year. How the mighty have fallen. I mean, ball lightning is not bad, man. Is it, I understand is it great? why it's, I understand why it's not played, but it's just funny. Like it's it's a quality card, you know. Yeah, I just I can't I can't ever see playing a ball lightning over a vortex. No, no. And like, is, is there ever any metagame where ball lightning is just better? I don't know. 
Is there a cavern on lightning? Can we do, can we do something <laughs> like that? The, what's the creature type of ball lightning? It's got to be lightning, right? Or is, is if it's elemental, then we're in business. Yep, it's an elemental. Oh, Jesus so Christ. so the last five minute conversation about ball lightning was better than the five minutes we talked about that fucking seven drop black red enchantment from. <laughs> well, so there's Niv. I don't know if you saw this, but in the deck dump there was a blue white Delver list, like the one that you played in Richmond. Yep. That had two Niv Magus elemental. Okay, so I wanted to talk about that because I don't know if I like the Niv Magus elemental. But Flusterstorm is the best card to protect Stoneforge Mystic with, period. Like, if you look at all of the decks that are attacking Stoneforge Mystic, they're usually successful because of him and K-Command. And Flusterstorm, just sandbag your true name, your your Stoneforge turn, and... Your your batter skull is going to end up entering play. I I really like it. Hmm. Right, like obviously, obviously, Flusterstorm is fucking awful against Chalice. Yeah, I mean, but... is it better than Pierce in that scenario though? Because you're playing out the Stoneforge and you have one man up, so you're not going to multi spell, right? But they might. They might cast something before their their uh, hammer, or whatever. No, they might try to respond to your spell pierce. So then you need to have two mana up. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying, like, if they, him, or K-Command, yeah. and you fluster, they can't get around it with a counter of their own. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Yep. I mean, it, like, obviously that fluster takes the spot of spell pierce, I like it in the non-chalice matchups a lot better. Yeah. And yeah, you're if right. this person got paired against non-chalice matchups, imagine playing a game one if you're Storm and getting getting flusterstormed, right? It's like getting stifled. Yeah, it's pretty pretty gross. So they, uh, yeah, they obviously have a plan, and I I can see where you're coming from now, protecting the Stoneforge with the flusterstorm. So. Maybe that's how this person got to playing Niv Magus in the main deck. Maybe they saw it in that blue red list that we talked about and just thought it was a cool idea to try. Who knows? But I thought I thought that we saw that we saw it in a Stoneforge shell a few weeks ago. I I don't think this is the first time we saw this exact list. Okay, the, the Niv Magus I was talking about was in like a blue red list, but it's it's possible that there was a blue white one that I missed. No, last week on January 12th, or two weeks ago on January 12th, same player, same deck was in the deck dump. Wow. Yep. Yeah, same deck, same person. Interesting. Yeah, I missed that one entirely. So... What were the other interesting ones that you you wanted to tag in? Alright, there was this one... We saw we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like a bug control. It's really like a blue black control splashing for abrupt decay or assassin's trophy. But basically, it's like a blue black control with a casual four in tombs, Grizzlebrand and World Gorger with uh, animate dead. Okay. Do you remember we talked about this? This is going back quite a while actually. This might 
this might have been even like one of our earlier episodes of this podcast, but Well, I've seen I've seen that idea playing the Entomb with like a one of Grizzlebrand, right? And th- we definitely talked about a similar list that sort of looked like it was Grixis Control but had a World Gorger kill as well. Yeah. So that, this... I think that that came out of uh of an SCG. It you're, might have been a right. team event with a classic. You're absolutely right. I yeah, that was now. that was a while ago. That was really early on. Yeah. So anyway, this we, is we've been we've been doing this for like half more than half a year now. Yep. Fucking crazy. So this is MK eighty nine. So who knows? Maybe that was the same player playing in paper in that classic. But if not, then there's two psychos out there playing World Gorger Dragon in their control deck. But. There's all the things we talked about last time, like flickering, strixes, and snapcaster mages can still generate value for you. Yep. There's one thing about this list that I don't remember ever seeing before. Which what? is a main deck cunning wish without a wishboard. Have you ever seen well, anyone do that before? I mean, there has to be stuff. Right, but I so what there is there's two diabolic edict one force of will one fluster storm and a stroke of genius well so it, it just doubles it as a more flexible kill condition yeah or it can just get a fluster storm if you need to or it can just get an edict if that's what you need you know i, I think, right like yeah that like i think this is really flexible cool. with that yeah i i like i like that idea as well i'm really surprised that we haven't seen that kind of plan used before like now well, it's very it it seems like it's very hard to have a main deck spot that you can just devote to something like that and it needs to be it needs to be in a deck sort of like this right yes i mean it works in this deck but now that now that i've seen this i'm going to have it in the back of my mind for how we can implement it in other decks in the future Okay. All right. I understand that. I just thought it was cool. It's something I never even thought about. It's kind of weird. So. No, that's a good point to bring up. I completely agree. This, uh... uh did, you, did you see Kaya in the deck dump? I don't believe I, I... I searched the challenge in the deck dump. I think I searched Kaya for both and nothing. Dove in nothing. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> you know what is... Uh, deputy we, of detentions and 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 <laughs> uh and lavinia in sort of the same shell that i was talking about like a white blue hate bear shell yeah this, this is vinio this is, do you want to say the name this is vinio t so <laughs> we're just gonna call them the italian vini vidi vici see all right we got meddling mage we got Mother of Runes. We got Spell Queller. It's literally just like a blue-white Hate Bears deck. Yeah. It even has the Arbiter. Now, uh, it's playing Arbiter without Ghost Quarter, which I can, like, that's fine. I, I understand. I understand its legacy, and that's why they're doing it. But this is just such such an interesting deck-building idea. Where, I don't know if you want to drop down to three meddling mage. I think 
meddling mage is kind of like one of the reasons why you want to do something like this. Well, it's kind of weird without Thoughtseize or Gitaxian Probe or anything like that. But you, with deck identification and legacy, as soon as you go through the first two turns, you understand what cards a deck like this is afraid of, right? You don't need Thoughtseize for Meddling Mage to be good. You you know what you're going to name based off of the matchup. Okay, so I Gen- think generally. I think it's more weird that there's not a fourth Meddling Mage in the board, but I totally understand three in your main deck. Because let's say you have the play, you put down an Aether Vial, they put down a Polluted Delta, and now you have two Meddling Mages in your hand. What, are you going to drop one and just name Brainstorm at that point? No, well, I mean, this deck has, like, 23 creatures. You probably have another play. Right, but I'm saying... You- if you go up to four of them, you're going to flood on them, potentially. And I think the more meddling mages you draw, the more effective they are. Okay. Almost regardless of the matchup. Interesting. I, I w- I'm very surprised that there's not a fourth in the sideboard, but I wouldn't have thought of a fourth in the main. They are on four... Uh, I guess only four Leonin Arbiter is the only two that they've gone to four of. What the fuck is Deputy Detention? I didn't even click on it. Uh, so it's a that's the the card that I had put on our spoiler list because I thought that it was going to see play in the humans deck because it's a it's like a reflector mage but it detention spheres but it's not a human it's a wizard right okay yeah I gotcha it's yeah a, so it has the, the new the new format uh, detention sphere on a one three body for three mana yeah. But Mother of Runes, still really powerful. And this deck this deck has one Swords to Plowshares as their removal spell. That's kind of funny. Yeah. To go along with their three Deputy of Detentions. This is an interesting deck, man. I'm surprised, I, I'm surprised not to see that card. What was that card that we talked about? Riptide Lab? To be, yeah, it, now it doesn't have a ton of wizards. Well, the Detention has... Sphere is a wizard, right? Yes, and Meddling Mage, and that's it. Uh, spell, okay, Spellcaller's not a wizard, my bad. Yeah, it's Spirit. Um, I I would really like to see a list like this have have Stoneforge Mystic. Right, yep. So and I, I, I played, uh, what's that card called? Mausoleum Wanderer? Like, when, when you were testing Blue-White Delver for uh, Richmond, and I was up in Maine on vacation, yep. I played a couple leagues, after playing Blue-White Delver, I played a couple leagues with just, like, a Blue-White Spirit list that had Mausoleum Wanderer, Judges Familiar, Stoneforge Mystic, and Spellqueller. And it it was kind of similar to this, honestly, except less Hateberry. But it, yep. it, it did actually reasonably well. I was kind of surprised by how well I did with that deck. We so, saw some similar lists to this in Bant Colors that played Edric to end up drawing a bunch of cards off of your Judges Familiar. So it played like a bunch of one drops, some two drops. It had some green, some Zenus, and Edric. And it just turned your sort of board of hate bears into drawing a bunch of cards a turn. Where did you see this list? Oh, this is like. Oof. This is like five years ago oh this is not this is not recent this was bant pre our picking up of bant stone blade a long 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 time ago so it must have been like when judges from there came out then probably about the same amount of time yeah so i want to 
I kind of want to pick that up now. That sounds pretty sweet, actually. You know what else is really weird about this deck, man? What the fuck? There's no Thalia's. Well, how are you going to stifle with a Thalia in play? Right. I, I No, I understand that, but, like, there's no Brainstorms, right? So typically the reason you don't see Brainstorm in, like, a Blue-White Hate Bear deck is because you're taxing mana. But in this deck, you're not playing any fetch lands because of Leon and Arbiter, so Brainstorm right, loses okay. quite a bit of value. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, Lavinia Azorius Renegade is clearly more powerful than Thalia. Oh, yeah. So why would you want to dilute the power of your deck and play Thalia in that spot? I really want to play this. I just, I just want to let you know that I just went double or nothing on you, and um, we can run it back next time we bet. Wait, what are you even talking about? I listened to the whole you episode. That, I didn't hear anything about this. You said that Kaya... Okay, I edited out that. Can you splice but, in when you told people that uh, Black Lotus was a pick and cube over Soul Ring, too? It, Black Lotus is definitely my go-to pack one, pick one, because the explosiveness that you get with it on turn one is much better than Soul Ring. And yes, Soul Ring is my number two pick, but I pick Lotus over Soul Ring. Eat, eat it. Just in general, not like deck specific. Pack one. We're talking pack one, pick one. Pack right? one, pick one, and keep vintage cube. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I think that's insane, man. I I do not think it's insane. But no, it's close. if you go back to the Lavinia thing, the uh, I believe that the bet we had was that we said that anything can show up in a five zero. Remember we were talking about you said like you could. Oh, shit I definitely. I definitely said that. Five zero. Yes. So we said that it had to either be the top eight of a challenge or there was some other thing it could be like the top 32 of a grand prix or something oh uh, did we really say that yeah it was because i this bet this bet's gonna take forever because none of those cards are ever gonna have that happen <laughs> well wait there was no other part to the bet was there i thought it was just lavinia it was lavinia versus kaya i deleted it anyway because i cropped out my audio when i recorded the episode so i don't keep my raw audio that's what i edit on oh, so we're not going to be able cool, to go back man. and do what the it fuck i know so i'm gonna have to edit out this whole conversation too i wouldn't have said kaya I said we should definitely talk about lavinia and you were like no no lavinia no never right. gonna happen yeah i definitely said that you were saying okay we want to go double or nothing on our bet and you said 5-0 a league and i was like no you could you just said it five minutes ago you could shit in a bag and five all a league with it, you know. It's gotta it's gotta be more than that. And I don't remember I did what, say that. what we I said. I can't remember if I left that in. Yeah. I can't remember what we said though as far as what the actual stipulations were. Well, we, we will we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> Alright. Alright, anything else you want to talk about? Alright, anyway, that's that's all I want to talk about really from this deck dump. But we have seen this White Eldrazi list. There's that dude Miles who plays it. It feels like it's showing up every week on this 5-0, so. Yep. I I would agree that I've seen it quite a bit. All right. Uh, what else What else do we got? Is that it? I think that's probably it, right? All right. If you like what we do, check out our Patreon. Our Discord is awesome. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's a wrap. All right. Do, do, do.
Do, 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 do.